oh no, today's the day. Mm-hmm. And I walked into this interview with four really important people at Apple mm-hmm. and they were like ready to give me the job. This was the last round. It was just like a formality. Mm-hmm. And I looked at them and I was like, gentlemen, I quit. And they're like, what? And I'm like, yep. Mm-hmm. You knew this day would come. Mm-hmm. It's almost, gone. I gave my notice three times and they pulled me back in mm-hmm. because I really was learning so much, but I mm-hmm. knew it was like, it's time. Mm-hmm. And I did. And I left. And within the next 12 months, mm-hmm. I took eight classes, did a million observation hours, applied to 13 schools, got waitlisted at two, mm-hmm. got into one. Mm, nothing good at this point. Did you ever sing anything good? Oh, yeah. Uh, I used to be in an acapella group. I've been in 15 musicals very eclectic person (laughs) i used to do everything and then at some point i had to decide okay well you need to pick things as Mm -hmm. you get older and you drop singing yeah i sing to myself i sing in the shower i sing in the car Mm -hmm. a lot in the car performed a lot of concerts in the car nice (laughs) when are we gonna get any uh tickets to these concerts (laughs) uh i'm not really selling them right now but uh you know if you head out to wherever i park my car you can Mm -hmm. absolutely see a free concert gotcha will it be fifth row or first row Mm, that's a great question (laughs) (laughs) um i'll ask that you stand a solid 30 feet like if you could stand on the other side of the street that's where your voice projects yes, best. Yes, definitely. Gotcha. Especially with the whole window situation. Yeah. Um, understood. Understood. Um, cool. Can I take a picture of the way you took a picture of J. Cole, too? <laughs> yes. Definitely. That's cool. I'll make sure to make eye contact. Yeah. No, but that's actually seriously exciting. And I, I want to talk about that first because I don't want to forget about it. Um, uh, J. J. Cole. J. Cole. Okay. Phenomenal. Um, so I've been listening to him, as I told you, since um, Forest Hill. Um, I wasn't listening to like English music or American music at all Okay. Uh, when I first moved to America. Um, but he was one of the first few people. Do people in Syria listen to American music? <sighs> they do. We do. Um, but not to the, like, the same depth. Like, we, like the top sure, hits. So it would be top 40. The top hits. Yep. Yeah. Like, people know who Taylor Swift is. I work with a lot of internationals and the variety in like people from Scotland, they definitely listen to a lot of American music, Australians, a lot of American music, but Mm -hmm. then there's the converse in some other countries where like none. Yeah. Uh, Or just sort of like what gets there. (laughs) Um, there. Yeah. So you were saying J Cole. Yeah, no, well I was going to add something. Um, so I think, so American music is like, uh, um, it f- it follows like a very different rhythm than like Arabic like language in general, sure. or like just I guess English language in general. So like for example, you've heard about like rap, like like um, with like Spanish rap, uh, um, um, German rap. You heard like all these like other languages, and they kind of take the American version of hip hop and rap and kind of use their language in Arabic. When when people do that, it sounds so weird. Like, it doesn't work. Yeah, that's interesting. So that's why, like, English songs, um, only, like, the top hits work because those are, like, I don't know, like, very accepted by everyone. So it's really easy for them to, like, just blend in. But, like, J. Cole, someone, like, like he, like no one knows probably who he is. Wow. Unless, like, maybe, like, maybe five kids, like, yeah. in, in the entire <laughs> country. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I, I definitely <laughs> had no idea who he was. The only sure. people I knew who they were, like, maybe Taylor Swift, Eminem. Akon and like Linkin Park. 
Wow. That's that's like kind that of everything. But those are like the basically co- the middle school dance I went to. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Well, maybe maybe it's time maybe it's time related to maybe because I was so young and Jacob wasn't really like that huge. Yeah. Eight years ago. Um, yep. That's probably true. Um, okay, back to J. Cole. Um, as you saw, one of my goals is to interview him. Um, and the reason why I have that is I think I think he like transcends kind of like music in general. Like he does make really good songs and they're really nice to listen to. His 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 uh, his like like um, um, like rhymes and like his uh, language is like really beautiful. It sounds like kind of like poetry sometimes. His beats are like phenomenal. Um, but I think he does something more than just being an, being an artist. Um, he, that one of the first song that really connected uh, uh, with me that he has is uh, uh, 03 Adolescence. On mm. because I listened to it as I was going through what he was going through. Sure. Like I finally accepted the fact that I can be confident, and I was listening to him like, oh, I'm not the only one who's felt this exact feeling. Yeah. Um, and then as I opened my mind and listened to all the rest, I'm like, oh wow, I felt a lot of these things actually before, but I've never paid attention. Um, so. Yeah, no. That. What song does that for you? Oh. Uh, <laughs> well, it's. I mean, so I've listened to J Cole for a long time. Like. When did you start? Uh. Like mixtape days. Oh yeah. Really? Okay. Yep, mixtape days. And that's what I was saying. Like I've seen him quite a few times. I've had an opportunity to see him in like different capacities. I saw him at um, probably the coolest concert I've ever been to was, uh, have you ever heard of Governor's Ball? Uh, New York? Yeah, so it's in New York. Mm-hmm. And the people that put that on also put on this other one called The Meadows. And it was, I don't know if you're a Kanye fan at all. Oh, I was just, yes. Like I, I'm so... Uh, I'm partly mad that Donda hasn't Donda's not out yet, but at the same time, like I feel like it's gonna be really good because it sounds like he's in the place where it's gonna be a phenomenal album. So, we'll so see. I went to it was Meadows, I want to say 2018. It was an unbelievable lineup. Mm-hmm. J Cole, Chance the Rapper, Kanye was the headliner for the second day. I think J Cole was the headliner for day one, which was really like I bought those tickets purely to see J Cole, and everyone mm-hmm. else was just like amazing mm-hmm. addition. Uh, Bryson Tiller at the beginning of How his big career. Is this? Um, the it probably, concert? Yeah, probably oh. wasn't, it's not huge, right? No, it was huge. Actually? I mean, it was Because all of them are not, like Chance Rapper at the time probably was like, just probably just started rapping maybe. Yep. Well, yeah. I mean, like Angels was out and okay. songs that are very popular. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he was sort of at the beginning of his career. So people mm-hmm. really went for like J. Cole and Kanye. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I just remember being like, this was probably the best concert I have ever seen him at. I, it was outdoors. It was October, but it was mm-hmm. a beautiful day. I was in New York mm-hmm. and I was just like blown away. So, but in reality, like his music for me now is a lot more. Um, so I compete in powerlifting. Mm-hmm. I'm very like stimulated by my music and I listen to a lot of hip hop, rap, R&B mm-hmm. when I train. J. Cole is one of the people you listen to. And Absolutely. Oh. So, like, I'm not, like, a heavy metal uh-huh. power lifter. I'm okay. more, like, a... <laughs> I think that, um, <laughs> the, the like, the kind of music I lift, I listen to when I train is the same kind of music I listen to when I want to, like, go out and dance. Okay. Or drive in my car. Mm-hmm. Some songs more so than others. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely, like, K.O.D. was mm-hmm. a song that I played basically on repeat um like prior to a big deadlift or something like that and 
interesting. That was like so. Even right now, I mean, we listen to Dreamville, mm-hmm. um, like that label, mm-hmm. and like Under the Sun, um, Down Bad. Mm-hmm. The that like we play that today in the gym, and that's the kind of stuff that I like go crazy for. That's interesting. And I'll listen to it over. I, I imagine if I go into my like Apple Music or Spotify, you would yeah. see the most played songs are all J. Cole. That is that's very cool. Okay, well this I didn't know this about you. I didn't write that on the board <laughs> just because I because I because know, I knew that. Like the first you probably yeah. Uh, no, but I I was so excited because I was I like very recently bought the tickets to 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 see him at TD. Yeah, yeah, I've seen him at a I've seen him at a Guinness Arena. Mm-hmm. Seen him at I didn't see him at the. Oh, uh, no, I did see him at the Garden. I've seen him in New York twice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I said, I, I saw Wale open mm-hmm. for Wale, and um, Miguel opened for J. Cole. Miguel's awesome, which too. Which was but sick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Oh, so. cool. Um, I'm still surprised that QOD is one of like the top songs you listen to before you deadlift. Um, when I was deadlifting back in the day, um, it was like the most like i don't say hardcore songs but angry maybe yeah like yeah, like eminem was eminem was definitely on the list like f- like very frequently um and a lot of like linkin park um so the uh, only nirvana song on like my big lift playlist mm-hmm. if you go to spotify mm-hmm. it's a growing playlist that mm-hmm. i've made collaborative so mm-hmm. other people are allowed to influence the music decision but anytime Ooh. i'm in the That's gym you're putting big, big trust in, in other i people. know but people know like don't mess with the genre do you choose the people like wisely like do you think about the people uh, you have or like it's all the coaches that i work with so there's six of us and they know that like my genre mm-hmm. is very specific mm-hmm. so the music that goes on that particular playlist needs to at least like on some level match there's maybe one hardcore like metal song on there do you approve um, of the song yeah you do okay but <laughs> yeah so there's like cleaning out my closet mm-hmm. is on that playlist mm-hmm. but I've listened to this playlist at this point so much because I train about five to six days a week, mm-hmm. every week for the past four years. Mm-hmm. And so that playlist kind of started then. Mm-hmm. And um, so I could tell you, like when I'm listening to one of the songs, I've listened to it so much that I know what song's coming next. So, so it's like we have maybe we have a one Linkin Park song on there. Mm-hmm. Um, which one? But do, you, do you know which one? I think it's actually Nam Encore, which well, is that's fake. okay. Yeah, right. that's not the one I was just gonna go for. Um, and there's another one and I can't remember the name of it. What is it called? It's one, one something. Bleed it out and numb are my two favorite. By which what Ble- is it? bleed it out oh, yeah. and numb okay. are my two favorite. There yeah. you go. Or maybe faint too. Yeah, yeah, I just I can't for some reason like there are a couple people that really lo- and powerlifters generally mm-hmm. love metal yeah. music. I can't do it. I yeah. feel like my ears are bleeding. Are you annoyed at meets when uh, when they just play like? No, and that's what's weird. When I go into someone else's gym, mm-hmm. I'm yeah, like, cool. This no. is like I can I can train to this if, as long as it's not screamo. Can you listen without? Can you lift without music? Absolutely, I've done it okay. plenty of times. Cool. Sometimes my thoughts are so loud that I'm mm-hmm. like, I think I need silence today, and then mm-hmm. it's just like me listening to myself breathe, mm-hmm. um, which is maybe not my favorite, but. I have such a crazy life that mm-hmm. a lot of times, like my training sessions, get broken into multiple sessions throughout the day, and mm-hmm. so sometimes having a little bit of silence is That's nice. Good. I actually notice when I'm lifting, I get to a point every single workout when yeah. I can't listen to music anymore. I like start oh, off like yeah, okay. with like music blasting, and then as I like 
get like halfway through i'm like the music kind of gets softer and i'm like i'm good like i'm i'm i'm, I'm there i don't need i don't need it where anymore. do you train at uh, uh right now well, yeah. <laughs> so generally yeah, yeah. Okay. uh so there's a gym called jimit here yeah. that i use yep. it does a job and then yeah. my school has its own gym which is the one i've been going through now because it's yep. just easier with class <laughs> um, sure yeah the reason i ask is because so i've been it's not very, a problem gym. <laughs> yeah well, so i've been very spoiled uh-huh. in that i trained at a gym where it's a private strength and conditioning gym in newton mm-hmm. um and i'm a, I work there, and I've worked there. You have ox privileges. <laughs> I yeah. have definitely. Well, we have Sono, so I don't even need the ox. We got surround sound. Ooh. But uh, the other piece of it is that, like, I know everyone that trains there, and I also mm. generally train when the gym is closed. So I mm. have the luxury of like, I can really create an environment for mm-hmm. myself and my me and a couple of the coaches, or like one or two people, or no one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's just this very like sacred time of the day. We train between eleven and one mm-hmm. usually. Um, with school, it was a little bit harder, but it's become such a like regimen for me that I'm mm. a little nervous about going back to a gym where there are other people. <laughs> are you, you going to have to? It, oh, oh absolutely. Yeah. Oh. So when I head out to St. Louis, um, it's going to be a little bit different. Yeah. You can probably find some, some warehouse where someone's converted it to a gym. Yeah. And I mean, th- so there's like, take some time. there's a couple kind of crazy. I was out in California. Like one thing that <laughs> is probably my a best skill, but be like the thing that is the most, um, mm-hmm. essential, I guess, like talent that I have is networking, <laughs> but also just like the ability to meet people. I joke all the time that like I collect human beings and you what collect human, collect beings. human beings like, and I don't mean that, that to devalue very, people. No, that sounds like a, I don't know, like a, from a horror movie, like, <laughs> like a punchline in a horror movie. Like I know I collect people. I collect human beings. Um, no, I, I collect people in that I don't like when I let someone go. And I mean that in, gotcha. you know, anytime I have a conversation with someone mm-hmm. that's meaningful to me mm-hmm. and whether it be someone that I am working with in a customer service role, someone that I meet on the street because I held the door mm-hmm. I, Maybe less so when I hold the door. But if I've had enough of a conversation with them for whatever reason, it's someone I'm talking to in the coffee line or, um, you know, someone I bump into on the street, mm-hmm. I often will do enough to make that be more than just like a frivolous interaction. Is this conscious? Uh, oh, totally. Why do you do, why I don't do know do that it? it always, I don't know that it was always conscious, but I think I've made more of a conscious effort as I've gotten older. Mm-hmm. And I think partially maybe because I realize how small the world is Mm. and also partially because, and maybe this is selfish, but um, I see everyone as a potential friend or Mm -hmm. potential opportunity for like something important. And Mm -hmm. the reason I brought that up is because I was out in California competing at nationals. Um, Like USPA is one of the federations, USPA nationals mm, three weeks ago or so, Mm -hmm. or mid July. And I met this group of people awesome crew uh that trains out of austin texas Mm -hmm. and i ended up like placing third in the nation which was so sick unexpected Uh unreal and that night i was like well i would love to go out and celebrate but the guy that i was out there with who coaches me and also he was competing the next day Mm -hmm. he um obviously like couldn't go out or do anything right so i was like all right you go to bed 
I, I'm going to go out. And these people from Austin, they invited me to their Airbnb, which mm-hmm. is like unreal. We're all sitting around, you know, having a couple drinks, talking room at, near the pool. And it was in Palm Springs, which mm-hmm. is the desert. Mm-hmm. So it's like overlooking this beautiful desert. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm talking about how I'm moving to St. Louis. And a couple of the people that were there were friends of friends. And I'm talking about how I looked up one gym in St. Louis so far. I was like, yeah, I looked up St. Louis Barbell and this guy across from me goes, I own St. Louis Barbell. And I'm like, what? And then the crew that I was there with, they're like, oh yeah, you guys should totally exchange info. And so when I go out there, I at least have that gym. You already have ox privileges at this gym. (laughs) I hope so. I doubt I have ox privileges. Like real powerlifting gyms would not let me play my music. Okay, fair. Yeah, I used to train out in the, at this place in Worcester, uh-huh. and they every time I went there, they're like, "No, no, you can't play this here." Were you? Co- were, were you? It sounds like they just weren't cool people. No, they were so cool people. They just like are real powerlifters that listen to powerlifting music, which is apparently metal, and uh-huh. that is not me. Fair, fair. Mm. But yeah, that's cool. So, wild. so I collect people, collect and people. I like. That's why it's a little bit weird kind of like wind down my time in Boston because mm. I've been here for 11 years, lived in 17 apartments, had like at least 10 jobs here. 17. Um, so that's more than you average more than one apartment a year. I did average more than one apartment a oh. year. Um, cause there were a couple situations like, so when I was 22, mm-hmm. graduated from undergrad mm-hmm. and was like, I'm going to move to Thailand and teach English and sell everything I own because I am mad at the universe mm-hmm. and feel like I suck as a person. So everyone who goes to Thailand to teach English is mad at the universe? What? <laughs> everyone who goes to Thailand to teach English <laughs> is mad at the universe? No, I was just like, <laughs> yeah, like when you graduate from undergrad, if you're not going straight into med school, yes. like mm-hmm. many of you overachievers mm-hmm. do, um, which was totally not a dig at all. Maybe, it's I'm, like, maybe I'm the one mad at the universe. It's possible. Yeah. I just don't know that I would go to med school in that state. <laughs> it might have been, a, you might be right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I like sold all my stuff and I was like, all right, somebody housed me on their couch for three months and I organized soccer games around Boston and watched the World Cup every day and it was really great. And I never moved to Thailand. No. Stayed, you got stuck here. Why did you change? Because I got a job at Apple, but oh, that's when you. That's as when a story started. for later. So yeah. you told me that you used to compete in powerlifting. I did. And you stopped. Well, well one. One. Okay. One well, that's enough. Um, I did play second on my state, but there was only three kids in my weight class. Well, that's tough. And what weight class? Number one was my best friend. Which one was it? I don't remember how much I weighed, honestly. That's okay. This, this was a while ago. Do you know a federation you competed in? USAPL. Nice. Um, was was this in Delaware? Yeah. It's okay. It's not important. 80 something. 83? 83. Which would be 181. Yeah, that's probably, yeah. That's about right. There you go. Um, cool. Yeah. Why'd you stop? Uh, I don't know. I was really not, I was, I've never been patient with myself at all. Mm-hmm. And I think I hit a point with my training that where I had to like readjust what I was doing because I was, I never stretched. Um, um, I would follow programs, but I would, whenever I would like start getting really bored, I would like just like yeah. start doing my own thing. 
and um i felt like my body was starting to take a to take a hit from like not taking like i would never stretch i also wasn't eating like the best um which i thought like was fine because i was like i was so young and whatever which i was and i was doing okay but um i think it was like catching up to me and i didn't want to change i didn't want to be patient i didn't want to change mm. so i quit obviously this is all in hindsight at the time i just felt like i had to quit for some yeah. for some reason um did you play other sports growing up i just played soccer that's it yeah um but i was never that good at it and i think i also did powerlifting because i realized that i don't have to be no like i think the people who are like as good as you like i think there's I probably know. like probably. something in your genes that maybe like potentially but at the same time like it is a lot of just how much work you actually put in which which i enjoyed and i, I wanted that's what's so incredible about it i know i liked it a lot yeah. um and i still live to this day but not not powerlifting um that's one of the reasons I started competing in powerlifting is because I felt like I was never, I would never be that committed to my training mm -hmm. if I didn't have something to train for. Yeah. And not that at, at the time it was prior to me working in fitness. So mm -hmm. I couldn't really like make the leap because I was playing a ton of soccer. I also had played rugby in college. I was playing rugby post-college. Mm -hmm. And so I would frequently miss training sessions mm -hmm. at the gym because I was playing so much soccer and rugby and I couldn't like make that leap as to why training in the gym needed to take a priority sometimes mm -hmm. over playing more soccer or more rugby. Mm -hmm. Um, and knowing what I know now, both after having like a ton of injuries, but also, uh, training powerlifting for so long is that like that work matters a lot. Mm -hmm. And it's been which, interesting. Which work? Uh, like the gym work mm -hmm. and spending, like making that a priority mm -hmm. and making the work and having someone who writes a really good program, but mm -hmm. also being willing to follow it. Like the, I was not always like that. I would mm -hmm. miss sessions all the time. So I don't think, I don't, I don't think I heard why you actually decided that lifting and powerlifting was more important to you than soccer and rugby. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I would not ever say that it is. Mm -hmm. It's more, it's been interesting. So I, like I said, I, um, I'm about to be 30 mm -hmm. and soccer was my first love. Mm -hmm. Like any boyfriend I ever had knew that they fell second to what, soccer. What position? Always. Center mid. Oh my God. Like attacking center mid. Yeah. Like totally my personality. Mm -hmm. um, but I moved from, so soccer was like everything to me. I decided to study athletic training at mm -hmm. BU. So I opted not to play soccer in college mm -hmm. and I found rugby, which mm -hmm. was a very cool close second. And, mm -hmm. and that sport grew on me a lot. I would say it's maybe my second love. Why didn't you play soccer um, in college? Why didn't I? Mm -hmm. Literally because I wanted to be an athletic trainer. Like you couldn't do both. No. So in order to study athletic training, mm -hmm. you are required to do clinicals. If you're on a clinical rotation with a soccer team, that's A, a conflict of interest, and B, you're required on some level to travel with them, to be at games, to work games. So mm -hmm. it doesn't match. Are you happy with that decision? No. no. But mm -hmm. I, I don't regret it. Mm -hmm. You know, I think, like, I don't look back on it and say, oh, I should have done this or I should have done that. It's more, do I wish I made different decisions? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But, you know. I am who I am because mm -hmm. of the decisions I made. And okay. I think I go through in my life, I've gone through periods of time where I wish I made different decisions more mm -hmm. and less. I would say today is a good day mm -hmm. <laughs> um, or a good period of time where I can look back on that and say, you know what? I'm happy with that decision. Cool. Um, 
but yeah, so soccer, rugby, whatever. Um, but I tore my ACL the first time when I was 17 mm -hmm. and I've basically had a knee surgery every two to three years since then, which mm -hmm. was 2009. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> not going to uh, five. five. So four knee surgeries, one hip surgery, but basically at some point it just, one, I didn't pick up a weight outside of rehab until I was about 25. Mm -hmm. And I also, um, never really had like a good return to play situation. And yeah. that's something that interestingly, I was passionate about prior to ever being injured was mm -hmm. kind of bridging a gap for people rehab to performance. Um, but at some point, like my knee got to a place where I need a knee replacement starting at 26, we started having this conversation. So I'm now almost 30 and I've pushed it off and pushed it off and I'm gonna continue to push it off mostly because I'm not ready to accept that I'll need at least four to five more in my life mm -hmm. at the young age of 30. So I, found powerlifting um from my now ex-boyfriend which is you know, which is you know that sounds crazy right uh which part that i found powerlifting yeah that you went from having all these surgeries yeah. and talks about replacing your knee to deciding to do powerlifting which is like i don't i mean if you do it safe obviously like you're not gonna yeah. get hurt but it's probably i don't know it doesn't it lo doesn't look like it. So I think, yeah, and, and honestly, <laughs> your reaction right now is the reaction that everyone gives me at first glance. I'm only giving you this reaction because I want to hear what you say. But yeah, I, but no, no, and yeah. I appreciate that because yeah. it really is like, uh, one, total common misconception. Mm -hmm. Two, um, powerlifting itself actually has one of the lowest injury risks mm -hmm. in terms of um, actual like acute injuries that people get from sport. Mm -hmm. That being said... I will say that powerlifting, training powerlifting comes with a lot of pain. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and I don't mean knee pain for me. Just like in general, the loads, the mm -hmm. volume, the intensity of the training mm -hmm. is incredibly taxing. Mm -hmm. um, but so I would say that I've been really fortunate in that I have someone who coaches me that um, I work with now who is absolutely like probably one of the smartest people I know in strength and conditioning and maybe I'm biased, but I really feel like he's taught me a lot. But the other piece of it is that I've been able to train around my knee mm -hmm. by really understanding biomechanics pretty well, understanding my knees behavior mm -hmm. <laughs> pretty well. I joke that like I have a very emotional knee. It's like kind of finicky. It's mm -hmm. um, every day, my left knee. So it's very irritable in that we've started to figure out like patterns of what things bother it and in what you know volumes or loads like i it, when i squat i don't squat more than 20 reps like in a session totally like in a day in including warm-up uh -huh. including top set including drop downs in body weight there will not be more than that? 20. How'd you come about this number? By going over that number a lot. <laughs> so that's what I mean about like, yes, I went from something like mm -hmm. soccer or rugby, which actually the demand on your knee is quite a bit higher. Yeah. Um, even something like running or mm -hmm. biking. Mm -hmm. For me, the demand is a lot higher on my knee. I never messed up my knees from lifting. But now that I'm running, I messed up my knees twice. And there I've had to go, go through PT for the first time in my life. And it's, and it's not to say that those things are like 
you know, definitively bad activities. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of when you, no, but like <laughs> We're condemning all yeah, runners here. No, exactly. <laughs> but like when you get smart about it and really like, and that's where, you know, I've always, I've always hired a coach. Mm -hmm. And prior to when I spent a lot of time in the gym, I would have never been like, Oh, I'm going to, cause I, I thought like paying for a personal trainer mm -hmm. was like, you're just paying for someone to motivate you. Yes. I didn't even know that like exercise science and strength and conditioning were a very legitimate field where there are incredibly intelligent people. And that's mm -hmm. like a whole different conversation. Like, would you, are you, are you, do you put powerlifting coaches in the same bucket as like regular gym personal trainers? I'd say they're different. That is a very qualified question in that I can't definitively say yes or no. And that's because I think some of the, some of the best coaches I know mm -hmm. started their careers as like Boston sports club, sure. personal trainers. I was going to, yeah. But I at the being same, yes. well, no, no, no. And mm -hmm. not necessarily, I, I guess the better kind of overarching theme is that the barrier to entry mm -hmm. to become a personal trainer is far too low. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. there, I think it's negligent, but like I said, that's like a totally different conversation we can absolutely talk about. But, um, yeah. So me going into powerlifting, I, we just got really good at being smart about what things are bothersome to my knee. And like, mm -hmm. because of my background as an athletic trainer and the fact that I'm a PT student now, mm -hmm. and I also like, I'm kind of an anatomy nerd. Mm -hmm. So I spend a lot of time thinking about and really like educating myself on what, what are we talking about here? Like what's mm -hmm. going on with my knee? Mm -hmm. What are, what's the risk reward? Why does this work? Why does that not work? You mm -hmm. know, and really getting deep into understanding, um, what my pain patterns are and where that's coming from. And am I doing more damage than good? And is it worth it? Mm -hmm. Cause inherently, like if you're going to compete in something, you're going to go like, there's the health to competition spectrum. Mm -hmm. Health to competition. Competing is not healthy. Yeah. It's not. Mm -hmm. If you want to be healthy, mm -hmm. you're going to do all the things that maybe like don't give you pain. Mm -hmm. Sure. And I would say that when I don't train, I'm in pain. Mm -hmm. When I compete, I'm probably in pain. But most of the time in the middle, I can find a pretty darn good balance. Mm -hmm. So. <laughs> so you went from you went from needing a knee needing a new knee. Yep. To placing third you said earlier uh yeah on the nation yep and how long ago was that, that you literally it? like three weeks four weeks oh wow yeah I've got you fresh wow how did that feel um well kind of crazy mm -hmm. very unexpected mm -hmm. um i was in the middle of the most stressful eight weeks of my life as a summer semester they added a class it's still on zoom i was working for this pro rugby team and we were in like the peak of our season I was also water cutting a little bit of weight to have a lower Wilkes or a higher Wilkes score. Mm -hmm. So a lower weigh in weight. What, what Wilkes did you get? Oh, yeah. I honestly don't. I think it was 430 something. I don't remember. Nice. Um, but yeah, because I, I didn't place there on Wilkes or I placed on total. What was um, total? My total was 937, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. And what were your lifts? Um, so this is what I was going to say. I squatted 315, which if you told me one year ago that I would ever squat mm -hmm. 315, I'd be like, you are high. You're mm -hmm. out of your mind. Mm -hmm. No shot. And, and it was like 315 with a little bit of room, which mm -hmm. was incredible. And then I benched 205 and then I, so I went eight for nine. So it wasn't, the 315 wasn't planned. It was planned. But you didn't, you weren't sure. But like were leading to. up to the meet. 
so like I said, I don't squat a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, we Tw- do like, you know, obviously session. we're not, it's a sport, right? Mm-hmm. And so you have to squat to power mm-hmm. lift. Um, but most of my lower body training is done in the form of split squatting, uh, very, very, very low volume squatting. Reverse band squatting has been mm-hmm. like pretty incredible. So I've done overloaded squats where nice. we'll train at a higher load mm-hmm. than what I would actually be able to squat. But we did that almost exclusively mm-hmm. and I had never touched anything over 300 Still. without bands mm-hmm. okay. in the gym. Okay. So 315 was reasonable, but like, like I said, a year never. ago, mm-hmm. I think most I squatted was 260. Mm-hmm. So, and I've power lifted for four years so that I'm mm-hmm. not in the newbie gains land anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that we've been able to really like get me to that place is just like, that was actually probably as much of a win as placing third. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and then I sure. deadlifted 418. I missed 435, which I've hit 430 before. Sumo conventional. Conventional. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what about bench? Uh, 205. Nice. Yeah, which I'll, also I probably had a little bit of room there too, mm-hmm. which was like, and went eight for nine. Mm-hmm. And the 435, I think it was also... Uh, powerlifting meets typically are done by like one o'clock if they start at nine. Mm-hmm. We didn't start deadlifting till three o'clock. Like there were two hours between squat and bench and bench and deadlift. Seriously. And we flew across the country and like, it was just yeah so many things. And you You're know, so I was hard. pretty darn happy with it. All things considered. How yeah. far were you from the second and the first? Uh, far. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And that like, so I also competed in a higher weight class than I typically do. Mm-hmm. So that made it even kind of weirder. Different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, got drug tested for the first time ever. I've never been good enough at something to get drug tested. So <laughs> yeah. it's like, I was like, nice. sure. Yeah. Oh, you want me to pee in this cup? Absolutely. <laughs> like, it almost felt like it was like, I was like, yeah, I, w- I would volunteer <laughs> for this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, but that was very cool. And I had told myself that that was going to be my last meet for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm moving and trying to get into professional sports mm-hmm. uh, for my career. And, you know, you sort of have to make a decision about where your priorities lie. Mm-hmm. I'm a career person. Mm-hmm. And then of course I placed third and I was like, well, I could just maybe one more time. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm, Figuring out where I want to go now. You don't think you'll be able to still powerlift? And I guess if you want all your focus to go to your career, I can see. If I want to work in the NBA, Ooh, there will be NBA. no Yes. What do you want to do in the NBA? I would like to, I mean, dream job. Uh-huh. My current dream job would be director of rehab in the NBA. Director of rehab. Where'd you grow up? Jersey. So you Sixers? Celtics? Well, the Celtics are here. Yeah. The Sixers are Philly. Are Philly. New Jersey does not have a team, right? No, but New York does. I grew up pretty oh, close to New York Oh, you go see it. Yeah, yeah, so I've been here which since one? I was 18. Wait, what? I don't care. There are 30 teams in the NBA. Do you watch? Yes. So, like, when you watch, who do you feel an emotional no, attachment? No, I one? don't. You can't do that. You can't watch it not like a team. Yes, you can. Okay, fair. Because I don't you, make the rules. When yeah. you want to provide medical care, oh yeah, everyone's you have same. to be impartial. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, obviously. To an extent, right? But you don't provide it yet. You have to. <laughs> Someone, you're in a mindset so already. Yeah. This is actually relevant in mm-hmm. that. Um, so when I was an undergrad, I did one of my clinicals with Harvard football. Mm-hmm. And I will never forget my clinical instructor 
mm-hmm. at the time was Brant. I'm pretty sure he's still the Harvard football athletic trainer. Mm-hmm. And I remember him looking at us on day one and being like, listen, we provide care for the Harvard football team, but you need to be impartial. There are no celebrations. There are no like, you know, getting wild when somebody scores a touchdown, this, that, and the other thing. Okay. I wish that I had a camera on this man the oh, whole season. Did I've never seen someone celebrate more in my <laughs> life, but the, his sentiment stuck with me a little bit in that, like it is, it's important to be able to, to have that distinction to me, mm-hmm. which is why I also strangely have chosen NBA, mm-hmm. um, which I don't really feel like I actually chose. I feel like I'm just supposed to do it. Um, because it's the sport that I probably like personally care about the least. Mm-hmm. Okay. So professionally, I find that to be like the most attractive, like soccer. I would never want to work it's in soccer. Insightful. Really? Mm, maybe. Mm. <laughs> no, I mean, it is. I mean, it's not what, it's not the first, mm, I don't know, line of logic that I would think of. It's like, oh, if I was deciding on doing what you're doing and I was de- deciding on what sport to get into, the first thought would be, oh, let me do the sport that I enjoy watching the most. Right. That would be the first thought I'm saying. So the fact that you decided not to do that for whatever reason it is. Yeah. Maybe maybe it's a good decision. Maybe it's not. But the fact that you're not just means you've thought about it more than a lot. more more than than like well, you know. it's to an extent, right? So I don't want to watch golf. I would never want to work in golf. But I don't want to work in golf because I don't like watching golf. So my real, but at the same time, okay. yeah. I think like if I were to work in golf, because now now that I'm thinking about this out loud, it's like. I just really enjoy watching exceptional athletes mm-hmm. and watching people do things that mm-hmm. other people can't do. And they work um, their entire life to get to that point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And some are gifted, very mm-hmm. gifted, and some are just workhorses. And mm-hmm. I think that that is the most incredible thing ever. But mm-hmm. so for you, what sports did you watch growing up? I watch a lot of fo- soccer. Soccer, um, right. Football, yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. So... I don't care about it as much anymore, which is really weird. Okay. After I moved to America. Like, yeah, because yeah. Americans don't care about it as, as much. Yeah, and I guess I never really did. Maybe it was just like the socially, like I wanted to. Yeah, because everyone, I mean, culturally, outside of the United States, it's far more important than it is here. Yeah. Um, but okay. so I found that like, so for me with soccer, for like a sport that you care to watch, it's almost like you're a little bit too close to it in that you know too much, if that makes sense. Where for me professionally, I'm analyzing something I've never looked at before. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at things with such a fresh eye because I'm making no assumption about what is or isn't happening mm-hmm. because I've never watched it or I've never seen these things with enough mm-hmm. experience to have this preconceived notion, mm-hmm. which maybe, maybe is a bad thing, right? Because maybe there are certain elements I don't understand, but maybe it's a good thing mm-hmm. because I have no prior assumptions. Mm-hmm. I don't have any like you know, oh, well, maybe, you know, I could be totally off base. It could be like, wow, you really just don't know what you're talking about, but you're taking a bet on, on, on your, yeah, yeah. Is this the first time you've done, you've had this line of logic with something you've done? No. My friends joke that my memoir is going to be called 99 by Design in reference to the number of lives that I've had and how deliberate my choices have been to get to where I want to go. So, so <laughs> how long have you have you been wanting to be the director of rehab in, in NBA? That probably like 
like came to fruition within the past eight to 18 months. Like I'd say shortly before COVID, it became clear that that was an opportunity that we would be, I would be, I would be well suited for, like, just like with my personality and what my interests are. Mm-hmm. Um, but being the director of rehab somewhere was, was always kind of on my mind. I like the idea of being able to oversee all the pieces of the puzzle, bridge, bridge the gaps between different types of providers, essentially quarterback the plan. And I, and I think that everyone deserves that, even even outside the NBA, which is also sort of my future, future plan, is that I would work in the NBA, I would do that, and then I would be able to bring that type of model to the athletic general population. The model that you're going to create once you... The model that exists in the NBA. So, so, so you like the models that exist in the NBA. Absolutely. No, it's what makes it what's special about it. So, so it, exists it exists in all professional sports, but I think of all the sports that I've evaluated from the outside looking in, and this has been confirmed from conversations I've been fortunate enough to have with people that work in the sport, in that it's... it's Small, small roster. So you, have so you have very few people to worry about. So no mm-hmm. one ever gets lost in the shuffle. They do, they do in other sports. But like compared, compared to the NFL, it's like you only, you only have so many providers and you only have like the number of patients you have. Even the rugby team I was working with, we had one full time, two part time medical providers and um, we had 34 athletes. And we still, and we still lost, lost people in the shuffle. Mm-hmm. I, would say, I would say that we lost people, lost people a lot, which. which it's crazy. It's crazy. So, so small, roster, small roster. You have, you have like a really nice setup of who you, who you work with, with, when you work with them, and what capacity, and how to stand there and make them collaboratively. collaboratively. Mm-hmm. So, so if, if let's take let's your take foot, your foot, for example, you, you, you in the NBA, 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 you have you a foot injury. injury. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. You are six foot six. Or guard, guard. There's not, not one brain, brain who's involved in involved in this care. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a really nice relationship, relationship between the athlete, the athlete, the PTs, the strength, the strength, the strength, the strength, the strength, the position, the position, the shooting, the shooting, the director, the team director, the foot director, and so on and so forth, the sports psychologist, the nutritionist, the list goes on. And so you have someone who's director of rehab, rehab, sort of sort of quarterback, and making decisions, and or, you know, deferring to the Maybe spend some time with you, you, you that way that way after a trainer to be on what your status status is. There's this really, really nice, nice um, trans- transfer between those between those people and open dialogue and, and, and where one or one is the other one the other one that does not well exist out in the world. And in the area that it does, it costs you a pretty penny. And if I could help create more of that, I think this and this goes to public health Resources, there's something to help them do that. Mm-hmm. Because, 
Absolutely, I have a plan. When do you think 
Okay. I mean, maybe I'm probing too much into what you're. So I'll, yeah. I'll answer. I'll answer a question that you didn't ask. Okay. I fully intend uh-huh. on being somewhere within the NBA in the next 24 months. I will be in the NBA in some capacity mm-hmm. in the next 24 months. Okay. You heard it here. Mm-hmm. August 11th. August 11th. Whatever day it is. 12th. 12th. Wow. We lost a day. Yeah. Daylight savings. Daylight savings. Yeah. <laughs> well, now I have no doubt either. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Partially, I think the more I say it out loud, mm-hmm. the more it becomes real. Mm-hmm. See, I've had, I've had like a, I've had an opposite problem growing up. So yeah, tell me. Well, bef- I want to ask you just a quick question. Yes or sure. No? Have you always been like this, or is this something that's developed in you in your character over time? Over time. Mm, yes and no. I would say up to a certain, up to college, absolutely. Mm-hmm. In college and shortly post college, no. Since I worked at Apple, absolutely. Okay. Cool. Um, Everyone is a lost soul. You were saying when you were growing up, something probably I should related. be better at this, right? I'm the one, I'm the host here. I should remember what That's I was okay. going to say. Oh, wow. You were talking about um, growing up, you maybe being like that, not being like that. You have no idea. Wow. That's all right. Let's go somewhere else. No, yeah. we'll come back to it. Yeah, it was. I felt like it was going to be very... Impactful. Yeah. Damn. I wish. Oh, I had the opposite problem. Okay. Um, so I was never sure of myself. Never, oh, yeah. Ever. Okay. And now I'm slowly getting more sure of myself. Mm. But I realized that I'm going through a period and inspired by that guy's name on there. Um, I learned something. Um, I actually was oversharing what I wanted to do too much because mm. I want, because my reason with, with sharing was not to, I don't know. I don't know what what it could have been but i know what it was um my reason to share was i wanted people's reactions to motivate me sure so when i would say hey i'm gonna do this everyone's like oh my god no way and i'm like oh now i'm motivated yeah but the thing is i'm not gonna have that reaction with me every day so then whatever I, w- I said i was gonna do every time i've said something I've, I've said i was gonna do something it would die i've started i've made youtube videos like three different times in like at three different like yeah. periods in my life and every single time i would stop um I would never know why. I would just lose motivation. I would feel depressed about why. I like. I'm like, why? Like, I literally work so hard. Like, I don't understand. And I'm getting to the point where I'm realizing I actually shouldn't share with people because I want to. I need to make sure that it's something that yep. I want to do for me, and sure. only I can motivate myself to do it. Um. So this that that's why. Like, I feel like right now I actually shouldn't. Like, I, I try my best not to say something unless if someone asks me i'm not i don't like I'm, i'll be honest with what i want to do with my life but i will never go out to just and say yeah. it not anymore because i realize that it's like for me my brain is kind of weak and i need to i need to treat it like a little kid yeah um, no that's a that's also very insightful and kind of an interesting concept in that i think there are certain things that i am like that with Mm. and even while you're talking i was thinking about there are three habits Mm -hmm. in my life that mm, let's say two habits habits. um that single like are the most consistent habits that i have Mm -hmm. one 
I can tell you to the day when I started making my bed and I have made my bed every day since. Mm-hmm. And it was literally like October of 2013. It was like October 11th of 2013. I would need to look up the date, but mm-hmm. it's not relevant. Yeah. But I've made my bed every day since mm-hmm. and training powerlifting. I've mm-hmm. not missed a single session since I committed to doing that. Mm-hmm. And with everything else, that was kind of what you're saying, like lose motivation, lose interest, talked about it too much. Mm-hmm was doing it for the wrong reasons was mm-hmm. like needing someone to stand behind me and motivate me. And I, I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean like it, I think humans are naturally that way, mm-hmm. but there are certain convictions that I now have. Like, for example, I've said the day I interviewed to work at Apple, I told them I will leave one day and I will go be a PT. And they're mm-hmm. like, okay, Alex. I'm like, no, no, mm-hmm. I will. Mm-hmm. And Sure enough, Mm -hmm. I was interviewing for like a pretty big job Mm -hmm. um, and it was like the fork in the road Mm -hmm. and I had been listening to this podcast the morning of the interview driving into work and it was a strength and conditioning podcast which was very much more in the PT world and Mm -hmm. I just felt like, oh no, today's the day. Mm -hmm. And I walked into this interview with four really important people at Apple Mm -hmm. And they were like ready to give me the job. This was the last round. It was just like a formality. Mm -hmm. And I looked at them and I was like, gentlemen, I quit. And they're like, what? And I'm like, yep. Mm -hmm. You knew this day would come. Mm -hmm. It's almost gone. I gave my notice three times and they pulled me back in Mm -hmm. because I really was learning so much. But I Mm -hmm. knew it was like, it's time. Mm -hmm. And I did. And I left. And within the next 12 months, Mm -hmm. I took eight classes, did a million observation hours, applied to 13 schools, got waitlisted at two, Mm -hmm. got into one and then decided to defer a year because there was an experience that I felt like I need needed before I went. Mm -hmm. But with other things like I've, I've let them fall away. I've not been motivated. And I think also like I have eight years on you. Mm -hmm. So I'd be interested to see how the next couple of years play out in terms of what things stick or what things you come back to. Mm-hmm. I think, um, what, what, what was the first job you did at Apple? Like what did, what, 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 uh, like it was what just like a arena where you were like working. Like I literally, my first job at Apple down on Boylston street, they like, I was a specialist. Just I just like worked in the store, but mm-hmm. job I ended up with was basically, I essentially worked as a like project manager, solutions engineer, uh, account manager for Apple business. Mm -hmm. So companies all the way as small as like a sole proprietor, all the way up to 10,000 employees, they, that all that used Apple technology. My responsibility was to understand the vision of their company, bring the right resources to the table and help figure out how to better integrate our technology with what they already do and where they want to go. And so I got to have some really interesting conversations with some very important people in the Boston. So Boston was my territory. Mm -hmm. So I would get to talk to these people like, um, you know, uh, about, okay, you're the CEO of a 500 person company. Great. Where do you want to go? What does Mm -hmm. this look like for you? What is success within your organization? How do you make decisions? Who makes this? Like I got to have these incredible really interesting conversations with very important people and then help them with things that they already used. But like, Mm -hmm. okay, what are the problems that you currently have? How can I help you solve them? Mm -hmm. That's the same thing as being a PT. Mm -hmm. It's just that you're doing it on an individual level or 
you're doing it in the NBA mm-hmm. in a team environment and the same thing holds true. It's not different. What is, what is the same thing? The same the thing denominator? being that like your, what is our vision? What is our vision as a team? Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, we're trying to win a championship. What does that mm-hmm. look like? Mm-hmm. Who are the key players? How are decisions made? What mm-hmm. are all the, the, um, barriers to those decisions? Mm-hmm. What are all the facilitators to those decisions? What personalities exist? What's the budget? What mm-hmm. resources? Mm-hmm. What, um, you know, like it's the same questions. It's the same thing. And the ability to, to zoom out in that mm-hmm. type of environment and look around and say, okay, what are all the factors that contribute to the outcome? That's something that a lot of people don't know how to do. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I got to do it in a one person situation mm-hmm. and a 10,000 person situation mm-hmm. and see how things change when scale changed. Mm-hmm. What's the biggest lesson you got from the, like from what you just told me? Like, is there any, does anything come to mind? Uh, I mean, yeah. The, so what, what changes the most when you're problem solving for one person versus a 10,000 person entity? Control. Elaborate. You can't control, like when I have a one-on-one interaction, mm-hmm. I control every aspect of how that interaction goes. Okay. Whether I can control their perception of me or not, mm-hmm. that's a little bit different, but mm-hmm. I, I'm single-handedly responsible. Right. Mm-hmm. So that anything that I do, I can see that outcome mm-hmm. when you're working with 10,000 people. How do you how do you align 10,000 people on a common goal? Mm-hmm. Can you? I don't know. For the right leader, mm-hmm. probably. Mm-hmm. But you a- every time you add a person, mm-hmm. you're adding a degree of freedom. Mm-hmm. And so it forces you to have to invest a lot more into those relationships Mm -hmm. and make sure you're hiring the right people or having the right types of conversations do Mm -hmm. like is our relationship within our organization mutually beneficial Mm -hmm. and if it's not why Mm -hmm. is it because like i control more of it and what does that dynamic look like and Mm -hmm. so the further you get Mm -hmm. if you don't have design structure for that Mm -hmm. you're leaving things up to chance when you leave things up to chance you don't control the outcome. So structure. Ooh. And mm-hmm. would you want like one person with 9,999 direct reports? Mm-hmm. Probably not. No. So then what does that look like? Mm. Yeah. That's a whole web of You're crazy. reminding me of, uh, um, you know, Jocko Willenick? You've definitely heard of him. Probably. No, oh, he's an ex-Navy SEAL. Okay. He does like leadership consulting now. Mm-hmm. So he goes like something very similar to what you did at Apple, I guess. He goes <laughs> to these companies and they need help with something. Um, usually a leader that needs to help and his company like helps them figure out what the problem is and how to solve it. Yep. Um, which I, I guess like everything we do in life kind of boils down to problem solving, figuring out what, where we need to get to and yeah. just reverse it. It's just the types of problem solving. Yeah. yeah. And which ones you like to do most. Yeah. Um, um, but I, f- I have a strong feeling when someone figures out, like when someone has that level of comprehension about life, I feel like they'll probably be good to do anything. It's just what they actually enjoy the most. Themselves. And that's what you're saying. And they probably can enjoy doing anything at that point. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it comes down to then. I don't know. Maybe. So let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like, do you feel like you always knew what you wanted to do or that? No, never. Okay. So don't. let me ask you a different question. Yeah. When people know that you go to med school, Mm -hmm. are they like, oh, yes, that totally makes sense? Or are they like, oh, yeah, you'll be good at that? 
Uh, I've, I haven't gone to any of the OES. Okay. So you're smart enough to do it. I've gone sure. a lot. My and parents think I'm, I, I would be good at it because they've, I think they've only let themselves see that side of me, mm. like the caring side. And I've always been like a good kid. So like maybe they thought <laughs> I'd be like a good doctor too. Um, yeah, sure. Yeah. The reason I ask is because mm-hmm. uh, I think there are high level two types of people. Mm-hmm. There's the people who are born to do something mm-hmm. and the people that were born to do anything. Mm-hmm. So based on what you're telling me, you're probably the person that was born to do anything. Yes. I'm a person that was born to do something. Mm-hmm. I've believed since I was very young mm-hmm. that I was put on this earth to like, for lack of a better way of saying this, mm-hmm. heal people with my hands. Yeah. That was my, I, I have this compulsion. Mm-hmm. I am not religious. I'm, I would say I'm barely even spiritual, mm-hmm. but like something tells me I have this draw that this is what I'm supposed to do with my life. Mm-hmm. So when I try and fight it, kind of what you were saying earlier about like the things that you're interested in, mm-hmm. <laughs> I get sucked back into doing this. Mm. And I think that's the, the greatest growth that I had was walking away from something that was so linear mm-hmm. when like, you know, 11 years old, I'm like, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to be a PT. Mm-hmm. Went early decision to be you. Neglected to play soccer. Like, really went very linear. I'm going to go do this thing. Graduated and was like, hold up. Let me go do this other thing by accident. Let mm-hmm. me just, like, take a moment, pause, explore something else that is so far beyond the realm of, like, I, I interviewed at Apple and they're like, what do you think about Tim Cook? I'm like, who's that? Mm-hmm. And they're like, what do you think about iOS 8? I'm like, I hate it. They're like, mm-hmm. what do you know about technology? I'm like, shit I know Mm -hmm. nothing and they hired me anyway Mm -hmm. and I learned so much Mm -hmm. but it also helped me understand like it reinforced oh this is what you were meant to do Mm -hmm. I could have been happy at Apple for a long time Mm -hmm. but it never would have fulfilled this like deep need Mm -hmm. did you did you know when you decided to think about Thailand and then get the job at Apple that this is what you were actually doing that you were testing something else or absolutely but I would have convinced myself there were peri- like at no point did mm-hmm. I say, you know what? I think I'm just going to work at Apple now. Like you know, this you, is my new career. Your PT like thoughts never like actually like died. Or no, went away. they were okay. there the entire time. Mm-hmm. And like, but you know, they, they started to, there were periods of time where it was like, is it going to be 10 years? Yeah. Is it going to be 15 years? Like mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I, c- I could, I could be happy with this. And, mm-hmm kind of what you're saying earlier is like I stepped into an environment. I was like, I'm going to do this hundred mm-hmm. percent. I'm going to like go hard. Cause that's who I am. I mm-hmm. like when I step into anything, I have a, I'm not a clock puncher. I mm-hmm. can't do it. Mm-hmm. I, I look at something and I'm like, how can I solve this problem? How can I help this organization be better than when I came in? Mm-hmm. And it's not about me. It's about like fresh perspective about like, what are the skills that I bring to the table? Mm-hmm. Because if I'm only going to be here for six months, how much impact can I have in six months? Mm-hmm. So that when I leave, I've left something. Mm-hmm. But turned yeah. out to be a little bit longer than six months, right? Turned out to be four years. Yep. Yeah. No. With three letters that I wrote trying to quit, and three different times they were like, "Well, what about this? This and this?" I'm like, mm. <sighs> "Fine." Mm-hmm. And I like, but when I knew, I knew. Mm-hmm. Like when it was time, it was time. Mm-hmm. And I still, I mean, I think about it every day. And the people that I met and mm-hmm. we're all scattered across the country now and, you know, people that I worked with, but mm-hmm. it was really incredible. Yeah. I'm sure. Magical. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure. Um, 
I know one person who works at Apple, and I know that he can't tell me anything about anything yeah. going on at Apple. Um, so this is more that I've ever heard. Yeah, and the, uh, this like is most I've heard about Apple. In, working in, in corporate is definitely a different beast. Yeah. Um, I worked with corporate, but I was, you know, with the common folk mm-hmm. in the community, and I think that was a better place for me anyway. But gotcha. It's definitely a magical environment if you let it be. I tell people all the time: if you don't know what you want to do, go work at Apple. You'll figure it out. Interesting. What about it? I mean, it's like one of the most influential companies in the world. Yeah, but what what about it makes you figure out what you want to do? It's a corporation that uh, operates like a startup. Mm -hmm. Company culture is really important, but Mm -hmm. also like they put effort into hiring for personality. Mm -hmm. And they put effort into helping you identify like what are your best skills? Mm -hmm. What are your opportunities? Mm -hmm. What are the literal skills that you like to do like what are the activities that you like to do what are the behaviors that you like to have what is what does work mean for you what does that Mm -hmm. look like are you creative are you educational are Mm -hmm. you should you talk to people or should you be in the back fixing technology like Mm -hmm. it allows you to be the truest form of yourself and Mm -hmm. do you do that with like your own personal flair for me it allowed me to be like this outgoing leader storyteller mm-hmm. interpersonal um being basically mm-hmm. that helped me figure out like what are the skills that i need to work on mm-hmm. and what are the things i'm really good at drive for results really good ambition really mm-hmm. good building mm-hmm. effective teams absolutely mm-hmm. um things i'm not so great at sometimes time management um mm-hmm. overextending myself saying yes to too many things like mm-hmm. You know, but but laying that out, mm-hmm. you take those skills. Those skills go anywhere. Mm-hmm. They're not just at Apple. They're just yeah. human skills. Mm-hmm. Interesting. What did they do to? Well, I don't know if they can do that. But like personality tests? Uh, not even. No. Just like just you doing the work. So it would be conversations. Like mm-hmm. so, kind of what we were alluding to earlier, the company structure. Mm-hmm. You were never more than, you know two people away from someone who could help you figure out what your skills were. And I mean Mm -hmm. that in, you know, you have a direct manager that you meet with periodically, like Mm -hmm. more than quarterly to sit Mm -hmm. down and say, okay, what are the, you know, expectations of your role? Are you meeting them? Are you happy? Mm -hmm. Are you, what do you want to do? Do you want to leave here and go on and do that? How can we help you do that? Mm -hmm. That's cool. What company does that? That sounds like a lot of, happiness and love yes and and no doubt like there were things that also sucked but if you're 22 years old and Mm -hmm. you don't know what the heck you want to do if you're 32 years old and you don't Mm -hmm. know what you want to do it's a great place to figure that out that's uh, exclusive to apple or are any of these like big innovative companies who've been around for like a while and they've probably figured out potentially the same formula like i read a book by um forget his first name dalio the billionaire bridgewater associates yep principles of I don't remember that 10 principles yeah what was it 10 principles Princip- are you talking school about principles I think uh I think of book. highly effective people no no it was what was, I think it? it was just called like principles it was like a big thick book oh um, yeah that was 10 habits of highly effective or seven habits of highly effective whatever yeah I know what you're talking about uh yeah and um he talked about his company and how he what he was thinking about as he was like growing it and he realized that culture was the most important thing in the company hands down and structure as the company grew which yep. is which is why i'm like bells whistling in my head as you're saying that um but how 
culture, which is really weird because you don't think about it. With people who like do business, don't think about culture first. I think, and I think it's culture gets hard the more you, the more the company grows. And yeah. for a company like Apple, and it's like, it's I don't know if it's still the biggest, most valued company in the world. Uh, if if, if it's, it's not, not the first, it's yeah. like top two or three. Um, for them to still, for you to still describe them as like a startup is fucking crazy. Yeah, um, and that's what was so cool about yeah. it is that you had the resources of a fortune a giant like the most cash in the world i know that right. for a fact yeah but you still had the company culture mm-hmm. where if you sent tim cook an email you're getting a response wow his assistant probably wrote it mm-hmm. but it is absolutely an email from tim cook yeah interesting that's cool yeah did you ever send cook an absolutely email? yeah i wrote an article <laughs> how apple made me a better healthcare provider Oh, absolutely. Because mm-hmm. it's the truth. That there's that my law. As you were leaving, or I wrote it after I left. Oh, with your Apple email. In reflection. Nice. No. Update his emails. Tim Cook at Apple.com. Yeah, fair. I mean, I feel like if I emailed, probably won't get a reply. You never know. Maybe with my Harvard email. Um. But yeah. Well, it's really cool. Yeah lucky like fell into the greatest accident and that's why i stayed so long okay lucky i like still want to keep talking about this like um about this stuff but uh, but i i think it gets tiring but you said lucky i don't think you were lucky because i think you were just like really prepared Mm. for for the opportunity you got i don't think everyone who like got a job opportunity to work at apple took it that's one to the ticket and have the same experience that you did so don't want you to discount how prepared sure. you were and still are um thank you yeah yeah so quickly back to powerlifting yes um what kind of splits did you run um have you ever tried conjugate i'm just really interested to, to find out if you have um three are there any people big in powerlifting on social media or just like are like actually good at the sport that you look up to for inspiration or look up to for information yeah so um i do my splits are kind of funny so i do i train five days mm-hmm. um two bench days one's a variation day i mean this all is very flexible yeah um right now so post meet technically would be off season mm-hmm. i'm not squatting at all Mm-hmm. zero squatting mm-hmm. um so all my lower body training is um either like dumbbell work mm-hmm. or like right now i'm doing Hatfield split squats mm-hmm. and that would be my like what would be my squat day and then my other day is a deadlift day does that lift bother you at all deadlift no, no. no. Okay. um deadlift definitely my best lift too <laughs> um and then my fifth day is like variation and some accessories but i also have like my sessions probably take me close to two hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and like a true powerlifter. Yeah, true powerlifter. And I'm like efficient too. I'm mm-hmm. like hustling. Although if anyone listens to this, like <laughs> my coach would tell me that I was not very efficient today. I was really lazy. Time management was in one of your strengths, remember? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm like lazy when I shouldn't be and like mm-hmm. way too hustled when I shouldn't be. Yeah. Um, yeah. So no, I have not tried conjugate. Um, I would say my programming is pretty darn straightforward. Mm-hmm. Like 
as you get closer to a meet, mm -hmm. intensity goes up, volume goes down, mm -hmm. and a lot of respecting my knee, yeah. and a lot of like being able to flip my days weekly. If, for example, my day two is supposed to be a squat day, but my knee mm -hmm. feels like trash, mm -hmm. cool, flip them. Take a day off in between that I wouldn't typically. Same thing with my school schedule. When mm -hmm. my school schedule was messy, I might go, you know, because typically I would train Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, maybe Saturday if I feel good or Sunday. Mm -hmm. But with school and my knee and working kind of a high stress job, sometimes that got messed up. So it was basically like fit it where you can fit it. Mm -hmm. um, and then looking at things like a combination of how can you get technically better mm -hmm. and how can you push the most weight. Mm -hmm. So as an organization, like flight performance and fitness is where I work in Newton. And that's kind of what we do in general. Like we really take it back to the basic science and say, okay, how can this person get technically better? What are their individual needs? Mm -hmm. And then what are the things that they can push with the most volume mm -hmm. and the most tolerance? Okay. So like for me, single leg work, I can push that all day. I mm -hmm. can do crazy volume mm -hmm. of single leg work. Great. So let's get your volume of, sing of lower body stuff in single leg. Good. So your knee, when you do single leg squats with your left. Not split squats, but yeah. Yeah. Does It doesn't really at all. Interesting. Have you figured out why? Um, Like I have some theories because like. Anytime you're doing something bilateral, uh -huh. you're at the mercy of one side or the other. Humans are not symmetrical. Yeah. Just some so are more asymmetrical than others. I'm pretty darn asymmetrical. Do you think you put more weight on your left or your body wants to? So, <laughs> yes and no. I had hip surgery on my mm -hmm. left side, so I inherently have more range of motion mm. in my left hip. Oh. Like, that joint has been altered with a sander. Yes. <laughs> so, there's more access to range in that hip. So... Mm -hmm. Okay, great. So my strategy on my left side mm -hmm. to squat mm -hmm. is going to be different than on my right side. I have more knee range of motion in my right side. I have more ankle dorsiflexion in my left side. Like, mm -hmm. you know, so when you kind of look at it. Yeah. Oh, you've thought about it. Anytime yeah. it's bilateral, it's mm -hmm. going to put me at the mercy of one side or the other. Gotcha. And that's why I have to squat enough to mm -hmm. get good at it. Mm -hmm. But I can get a lot of, if we're just talking about like, hypertrophy or true strength or like putting in work mm -hmm. i can do that in single leg yeah if we're talking about technique, technique i yeah. have to squat yeah so while that's not a specific like programming um no, concept mm -hmm. it is definitely like the way that we look at everything like mm -hmm. what are the best exercises for this particular person at this particular time mm -hmm. yeah it's pretty darn individualized no that's fair yeah. um it's probably the best way to do it um I want to respect your time. So oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah. I don't even know what time it was. It's. Yep. We could just keep it's going. An hour. <laughs> um, who do you, is there anyone you look up to? Or oh yeah. So, um, I would say like most recently I. And fill so me in. Cause I haven't like actually like yeah, been watching. So I don't know who's like, you know, killing it. This guy, David Wilson. I think he doesn't. Daniel get Wilson? David, David, David Wilson. Wilson, like W O O L. S O N. Okay. Um, and I can share oh. his mm -hmm. stuff. Um, he's really good. W uh, what would like, what? Uh, so he's one really mm -hmm. damn strong. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure he, uh, paused dead. I mean, I forget what the exact number was, but it was over 800. Mm -hmm. He paused over 800 
deadlift. And, I mean, this this could be really good if, if you know if he's not that if he's lighter. How much do you know what weight goes? Uh, I want to say two twenty. Okay. He's not the he's not mm-hmm. the like big boys, but mm-hmm. he's also not under two hundred. I don't think he's two hundred five. I think he's two twenty. Okay. Um, but he is so unbelievably smart. Um, he's coaching my coach right now, and Ooh. he's someone that is like, it. He's really like he's a good combination of a walking mm-hmm. the walk, which is important to me. Mm-hmm. You got to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but also he is um putting out really good content and mm-hmm. his coaching is really intelligent and different mm-hmm. like things I have not heard before mm-hmm. um, and something new. So mm-hmm. I would say he's probably right now the person I'm following the most. Cool. David Wilson. Yeah. My, probably know Joey Flex. That, he coached my, yeah. my, my best friend. Oh, cool. For a period of time. Maybe. Well, uh, fuck it. I really hope I'm not lying right now. Uh, I think so. Um, but yeah, David Wilson. Yeah. Really cool. What would you tell your 22 year old self? Ah, my 22 year old self. Yeah. And you can tell this probably. Take this bets. This is a closing questionnaire. Take, Take bets. bets. I thought you were taking bets since you were. You That's were, what I was saying. Were, so yeah. like. Keep doing it. When I was 22, mm-hmm. I didn't. There was this period oh. of time like leading up to me going to college. Mm-hmm. Like I, you know, would. And then I didn't. And working at Apple kind of brought that back to me, but it's also like take bets and know that. So I recently, here's another good thing for you. Uh, read this book called life is in the transitions. Mm-hmm. Very, very, very good book. Mm-hmm. I've already listened to it twice. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the other thing I would tell myself is that you have to just like, let yourself go, let mm-hmm. yourself go to whatever it is mm-hmm. and be willing to take a bet as in the more you think about something, the more you're going to ruminate on whether it's the right choice or the not the right choice. Mm-hmm. Do more things and you'll start to really figure out, mm-hmm. is this what I want to do or is this not what I want to do? Mm-hmm. Take more chances. Like I, I read this other book too, where they talked about like bringing the time between thinking of something and doing something about it closer together. Mm-hmm. And that's where you start to really figure out like who you are, or what you want. Mm-hmm. I think those would be kind of the big things that I would have told myself is like, stop thinking your way through everything. Just do it. Mm-hmm. Do it. Cause one of two things is going to happen. It's going to be the right thing or it's not. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. And I think that's probably the one thing I'd really need to hear right now. Um, <laughs> Good. Yeah. Sweet. I really appreciate it. Yeah. This was awesome. Ab- absolutely. Thank you for uh, taking the time. Yeah, this is thank you for taking the man. time. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I get to talk to someone, I like, helps me figure out what if what am i doing what am i doing with my life maybe mm-hmm. i have no idea <laughs> it's i possible. i have a tiny feeling you have a little bit of an idea a little bit. um but also seems like you let yourself just do things yeah, um 99 by design that's sounds like it uh, cool beans cool. uh where can people reach you if you want people to reach you yeah maybe um, you can probably say no instagram is instagram. gonna be the easiest one and my <laughs> my handle is a F Hoogs H O O G Z A F Hoogs. It's silly. I, I should probably ask. change it. I won't ask. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody messed up my name once and it stuck. Cool. It's it's memorable. Cool. Sweet. Thank you, Alex. I appreciate You're welcome. it. Yeah. Awesome.